I used to tell my grandmother is that there's this really interesting thing that in the moment nobody knows what the other one is seeing. So nobody, I, I don't know what you, you're seeing. I mean, even if we're interested in the same topic, if we might be related to the same people, we don't know if we see the same content, but we still act as if... Hello and welcome to Exploring Digital Spheres. Following up on last week's installment, we have another conversation on content moderation. More specifically, Amelie Heltz, researcher at the Hans Bredo Institute, will interview Julia Kruger. Kruger works as a research assistant for an MP at the German Parliament. Her research spans the domains of internet security, digital policies and artificial intelligence. The both of them will speak about how and if content can be moderated democratically. Hello and welcome to today's episode of uh, Exploring Digital Spheres. My name is Emily Held. Um, I'm a lawyer and researcher at the Hans Bredo Institute in Hamburg and at the Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society. And I'm very happy to welcome Julia Krüger today. Um, Julia is a political scientist and she works for a member of German Parliament um, is also an author for the German blog uh, Netzpolitik.org and I would say an overall expert in internet regulation and data protection. Um, so we're very happy to have you here today. Um, maybe um, could you tell us a little bit more about your work and uh, your field of work? Uh, yes, I think I've been working for a variety of stakeholders during the last 10 years, so for science and for business and for internet activism. Now I'm in the Bundestag um, doing May primarily IT security, AI and data politics. But uh, the issue of content moderation has been my starting point in internet policy research 10 years ago. So I did my, ed, uh, my MA thesis on the question of how to regulate content in the internet democratically, focusing on technology and processes. And now the things ch changed very much because 10 years ago we didn't have these many internet platforms. So now we are talking about a different level of technology, but still the question is how to regulate content in democracies or if to regulate it at all. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the German um, way of going uh, with content moderation, meaning the Network Enforcement Act that has been enforced last year, is that a way to go? Would you, would you name that as a, an example, as a good example of regulation? Uh, well, <clears throat> for me personally, it's an old-fashioned law. So I think we constantly have these tensions in democracy that we used to have a law that um, provided that not every content is legal, so that there are good reasons to take down content um, if it's on the dissemination of criminal acts or dissemination of hatred or violence or information or stuff like that. But in the internet, it proved to be really difficult to take it down democratically because you could not secure a safe process with checks and balances 
like judicial oversight. So the German Network Enforcement Act obliged the social media platforms to remove illegal content upon user requests immediately, so in 24 hours to seven days, and to report about the process. Otherwise, they might be subject to severe fines. So they put the whole inability of the state to deal with the illegal content in the web to the social media platforms. Um, it basically covers a wide range of criminal offenses, like, for example, treasonous forgery or the forming of criminal and terrorist organizations or the dissemination of depictions of violence. So very complicated criminal offenses. And for me, it's not reasonable to put the social media platforms in charge to decide about, upon the question which content is legal or illegal. So I think the law is really risky in terms of overblocking content and also uh, in terms of abuse of the uh, reporting system. Mm -hmm. So uh, just to set this clear, uh, by overblocking, I think we mean that there is a more of an incentive to take down than to keep up if it's not a clear case. Yeah, so you have to imagine that Kurds usually worked in weeks or months on questions of a specific content was legal or illegal. And now social media platforms are obliged to take down content in 24 hours or seven days. And so they have a really short period. They are usually don't employ the stuff necessary and they have to deal with an amount of content and an amount of reports you cannot process in such a short time. And no one knows what's actually going on. So um, for me, it's a really wrong way to go. In addition, I think the whole Network Enforcement Act doesn't keep up with the technology. So while Germany has been discussing the law, all major platforms invested very much in automated content moderation, such, such as filter systems for copyright infringements, for hate speech or for terrorist content. Um, and here the problem is that the technologies are very immature. For example, um, if we're talking about co terrorist content, there is a cooperation between the major social media platforms and Europol and the European Commission on the European level. It's called the Internet F Forum. And in the moment, it's the whole system of taking down content is based upon a database collecting illegal content, collecting illegal content identified by police officers and linked with some hash hashes, hash hash numbers. And based on this database, um, the major social media platforms are obliged to take down immediately if it is uploaded again. But the problem is that there's there are no criteria for terrorist content in the moment. There is no oversight what's in the database and nobody knows if it's working correctly. So we had, for example, cases where uh, Google filtered documentation of Syrian war crimes that were collected for further international cases. Mm. Um, more prosecution, yeah. Prosecution, right. So, so they were collected for a really good aim, but were identified as terrorist content. Yeah. And suddenly the work of different human rights organizations has been deleted. And in this case, it was very easy to 
put it on the platform again because these human rights organizations were really important. Mm. But for an everyday user or an everyday citizen, it could be way more difficult. So I think that terror propaganda is actually a very good example. Um, I've been also looking at this database of hashes in my previous work. Um, I think it's quite interesting because there you don't have a specific regulation. It's more of a, a soft law instrument. So there's this code of conduct that the big uh, platforms have signed and this database to which, as you said, Europol and Interpol have access. We don't really know what's going on there. And... Um, On one hand, um, terror propaganda via videos or via uploaded content um, has a high risk of um, of influencing uh, people. So that could be kind of a justification for takedown. And on the other hand, um, as you said, there is no specific definition of terrorism and it's very different from country to country. I've been looking at um, the, def the definition of uh, terrorism in Europe versus the one that is in Turkey, and it's just very different. So if you have um, agencies working together or working with the same database but not with the same definition, you might really have some trouble going on there. So my question would maybe be, is maybe now the European project of having a law or um, some kind of um, regulation on this um, terror propaganda database, yeah, on a on a database base that would collect um, terrorist content. Is that maybe a way of um, making it more official? And uh, is it the way to go now to have a, a, a new law, a new regulation? Or is it more, would you say, on the technical side that we need to know more or to be more safe? I think we <clears throat> first have to get to know AI, artificial intelligence and algorithm, algorithmic systems much better. So we are now talking about the definition of terrorist content. Google, uh, or it's not Google, it's, it's a company called Jigsaw in the context of Google or Alphabet, who uh, explores the automation of, of identifying illegal content on based on harassment and it's the same case so there are now common definitions of hate speech or there are now common definitions of terrorist content what they do is to rank so the toxicity of content to rank how toxic is a content for example how my, how high are the chances that somebody leaves the discussion if i tell you you're not a nice person that might have a toxicity rate of eight uh, fictionally if i say well you're a really mean bastard blah 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 uh, it would have a much higher toxicity rate the the system is really interesting from my perspective because on the one hand it shifts um, the whole content moderation thing from the idea to the expression from the lawyer to the nerd <laughs> um, and also of course from legislation so what is defined as legal or illegal to what algorithms learn as toxic. But if you imagine a machine which is filled with hate speech, right-wing hate speech, left-wing right speech, uh, egomanic hate speech, whatever, uh, we don't know what the machine learns. So it, it's a very interesting way to think about the problem, but still I would never hand over responsibility to take down human content to machines unless we know about the results. And this would be really difficult. 
So that would also mean that we cannot look at regulation from in an old fashioned way that we would say, okay, so we need regulation for copyright protection and we need a regulation against hate speech and we need a regulation against, let's call it fake news in a very vague term, but it's more of an overall that we need, right? Because yeah. it needs to work together. Yeah. And it also needs to work on a global level, although we have very different cultural regions, at least. Yes. So what are the steps to take to get to maybe a solution? Thinking of not only the 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 regulation, but also maybe some kind of um, social um, or societal expectations. I think there are three major aspects I would like to highlight. One thing is, I mean, we're all the time talking about the problems that the complete internet is flood with illegal or terrorist content, but at the same time we prevent all the good content from distributing or from dissemination because of copyrights. So I think the first step would be to allow the free flow informa of information and to rethink the ways journalists of high-quality content are paid. A second thing is With the social media platforms, I think it's really important to look upon the ranking. I mean, in the moment you have a ranking which primarily focuses on quantity. So if many people like a content or share a content, it's up, it's, it's ranked higher than a content a few people only like. But if you change the ranking from assessing only the quantity to assessing the quality, for example, to assess the variety of people sharing a content nationally, culturally, socially, whatever content, a lot of people, a lot of different people like might get a higher impact. Yeah. I think that it's something that we actually in German law, um, in media law, we, we already have, I mean, we used to have that or we, we have a sense of, um, what should be transported or what should be shown in the media is not only the power of the majority, but we should also have a kind of um, vector of diversity so that not only majority is being heard, but also minorities. And um, I think that's something that was already very present in old media. Yes. And maybe we have lost a sense of that um, when it comes to the internet, because in, indeed uh, trending topics are not the smallest but rather the biggest yeah so is that something that maybe is that something that social media platforms have to increase in the way they they sort and and filter information well i think this would be really good i mean um we lost or the german media system lost its status or its position in deciding about the variety of content so now users are way more in charge But the variety cannot win if the homogeneity is benefited. Yeah, if so, there's too so, much, so, yeah. Uh, you, um, you have to change the ranking mm -hmm. um, to let the variety decide upon content. 
Then maybe the question is how much of the content moderation is should be left to the user to choose? Is that something um, you would say that maybe the user is more in charge of um, of deciding which type of content he or she wants to see? Um, I think you have to consider the interaction of users, technology and content providers. So you cannot uprank any content if it's not in the internet. So <laughs> the first thing is that you have to write good content. This is a most important thing. Then you have to consider the network effects of the technology. So um, uh, there's just, a, a, maybe we can come to back to it later, but um, Mozilla has been experimenting very much with different versions of content moderation. So different ways how users or how technology can support the identification of good content or good speakers based upon users. So it's a double system. So on the one hand, the, the user matters, but on the other hand, the technology is supporting a constructive upranking. So, I mean, there are different ways um, to uprank or to downrank content. And um, one way is to, of course, hand over some transparency, how the content moderation works to offer options. I mean, uh, to offer for, I mean, I personally like the options to know, okay, what's the, what's the most recent, what's the thing of the, of my friends, what is the thing of, uh, all people see or whatever. So, I mean, to, 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 to show the varieties of content moderation, I mean, something I I used to tell my grandmother is that there's this really interesting thing that in the moment nobody knows what the other one is seeing. So nobody, I, I don't know what you you're seeing. I mean, even if we're interested in the same topic, if we might be related to the same people, we don't know if we see the same content, but we still act as if we had this common sense. But there would be ways to get a common sense refer to Mozilla. I think the project I'm referring to is called the Coral Project. And they said, well, a good community moderation system does first need a common vision. My personal vision is to survive climate change and to, 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 to restructure or to re-regulate the world according to this goal on a liberal democratic base. And if you have a specific goal, peace, survival maybe maybe a basic provision of essential goods and services to all something like that you can say okay uh, well this media system might support a certain regulation by informing people about what's going on right how can we use this technology to support this goal now with ai in development things shift really much because ai or Self-learning algorithms are really, really powerful tools. For me personally, it doesn't make sense to train AI on identifying identifying illegal content or bad content. It would make more sense to train them to identify good content because this is where we have to go to. Uh, so I think we need a system where essentially content is supported that does not pose another risk to humanity. 
That's uh, very interesting, and it's a it's, it's a it would be a very radical shift going from something that you would um, uh, prosecute, so from a prosecuting idea that you would um, remove or, or or track down a negative content up to or changing it to something that would. Um, Yeah, make the, make to put uh, good content uh, in a position where it's more visible. Yeah. I have to deal with many stakeholders like the Social Democrats, like the Catholic Church, like the internet community, and all of them miss good communication channels. All of them miss good information systems because they're just not there. So in the moment, Facebook and Google are not an option. I mean, From political perspective, I, I need the best information from various perspectives at one platform. But what they do is the opposite. They direct me into the different directions without giving more oversight. Mm. So they're not a help if you have to decide things or yeah. if you want to be informed. So um, maybe to... And with the question we have started with, or we have uh, uh, brainstormed on in the beginning. So what would it mean for society if we create a very clean version of the internet? As you said, maybe without the bad content, only with the good content. Would that have a positive uh, impact? Well, I think we cannot really answer the question because we first had to ask who is creating the clean internet? Is it humans or machines? Um, based on which value? I think the idea of creating a clean internet could, with the current technology, end up with creating the dark internet with because you, if you hand over responsibility to algorithms, if you don't know them, they might And if train them in identifying bad content, um, it could also end up that the bad content is the thing left. Mm. So, Julia, thank you very much for coming today. And um, yeah, see you soon. <laughs> bye bye. That were Amelie Held and Julia Kruger. If you want to learn more about their research or if you want to visit one of the many events that The Hague is organizing, visit hiig.de. More information in the show notes. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. In the next episode, I'll have a conversation with Christian Jeffel on the increased use of artificial intelligence in governmental organizations. <laughs>